hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this St. Patty's Day edition of Tim and Friends right here on Sportsnet. Love the day. My granddad is half Irish. That makes me all of 12.5% Irish. We do have a Deidre on the team. Mm. So basically, we're full-blown Irish, Jesse. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. We are full-blown Irish. Tell me, Ma, when I go home, the boys won't leave the girls alone. They pull my hair, they stole my comb. Well, that's all right till I go home. She is handsome, she is pretty. Jesse, you got this in you? Tell me, Ma, when I go home, the boys won't leave the girls alone. Look at her, watch this. That's pretty good. She's got some spirit, doesn't she, Jesse? You know what? I respect that a lot. Greatly. Greatly respect that. Yeah, me too. Like, going for it? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah, I love it. Why not, Pop? Very impressive. Why not, Pop? Now, just for clarification, and I told Jesse this last year when he showed up with the silly hat and glasses that I am not one for getting dressed up not because I like pooping on parades no I'm not that guy because I'm deathly afraid of spray painting me head green and wearing a silly hat maybe some glasses like some jag off beside me is doing right now and then having to do a story about someone who god forbid just passed away mm. or something worse like we've got tragic news today as the sporting world has lost a legend and I've got like a four-leaf clover tattooed to my forehead like some jag-off. Or sorry, some bigger jag-off because I'm already one. <laughs> Same goes for Halloween. I'm not pooping on the parade. I am just scared poopless. Like, you know what I'm saying, right, Jesse? Yeah, I got the message. <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'm just telling you, if there's one day where you have to have that serious you're conversation. So, you're so right. Where you're dressed like it Kiss. It would be a disaster. You're, it, you're, you're in it deep, like... I remember, you get changed. and I love the Hockey Central crew. The Hockey Central at noon crew yeah. revolutionized all noontime shows across the country because everyone's yeah. doing the same thing now, right? Yes. Everyone's doing that hockey lunch thing that Hockey Central at noon started in this market. Mm-hmm. And they would go full bore. And my, my, my biggest fear was like, what if, what, if, what if this is the day we say goodbye to Gordy Howe? And you guys are dressed, like, you are in full prosthetic makeup. <laughs> like, what do you do? And they're like, ah, ah, let's just do it. I'm like, I I'm sorry, that is, I cannot do You gotta that. be like, you gotta be prepared with a change of clothes, like, right, probably in here, in studio. With so a full face of makeup on. Well, that, yeah, that's too far. You can't do that. Like, if you had, the, if you had the green wig on or whatever, the green yeah. spray painted head. My favorite was... You'd be in trouble. Once yeah. at the... Uh, I don't know if all, everyone remembers who Greg Sansoni was at the Score Television Network, but once I dressed up as him, and I put on, like, the feathered hair almost, <laughs> and he put on a bald wig, but... What it, about... But it didn't cover so all good. of his hair. That's amazing. <laughs> what about, like, Kenneth Ivanka dressed up as you, as you and Sid? Oh, that, yeah. That like, was unbelievable. Yeah. What if you guys were out of the studio and something well, happened and then... I, I, I kept telling them, like, if something happens, don't worry. Just leave the studio and we'll right. do it. Because Ivanka dressed as Sid, full with grease yeah. and the pot belly, <laughs> yeah. trying to do a death in the world of sports. That would be difficult. Would have made YouTube immediately. Yes, yes. That's what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> this is always yeah. what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. All right, enough babbling. Let's get down to business. We've got a match game 
We've got an Irish match game for the day, Jesse, do we not? Yes, we do. All right, we'll get to that. Paul Jones and the Raptors and an impressive win over the Thunder. We'll get to the state of Canadian basketball with Mr. Jones as well. Luke Gazdick on the Leafs-Canes, a huge win for Calgary. And contrary to my common sense, another attempt at a legitimate conversation about the future of fighting in junior hockey. Like commentators on Twitter, Instagram, and the socials be damned we're going to try and have a real conversation <laughs> on whether or not we should be fighting in junior hockey. And we'll ke- kick off the festivities with my lad, Jesse Rubinoff. And first things first. So let's do the honor, Packy Bonner. Let's get in rhythm, Shay Given. Very good. My two favorite keepers in Irish history. I'll do my best, Georgie Best. Hey. Um, I, you know, for someone who, who, who said you're a fr- I know, they... It's the same word. I got it. Is that what you're looking at? Is that what you're looking for? No, I no, I, wasn't, best. I, wasn't looking, I understand that. I, I wasn't looking get at that. that. No. Uh, for someone who who you're not uh, you're not poo-pooing St. Patrick's Day, but the you, the accent's really firing today. I have to say. The the accent. The yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really there's, there's very few accents that you can do these days without getting in trouble. <laughs> and Irish is one of them. And I feel like Irish is one of well, them. I, so just, you know, I got a lot of Irish friends. Just I, monitor the socials and make sure that some we're people think that. that McAuliffe is actually Irish when yeah. in fact it's Maltese. It's it's me granddad on the other side. You could have just lied. He's Irish. Day. Just lie for a, one day. Just take out the I. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. It is spelt M-I-C. Yes. Yeah, you'd have to take out the I. Love that. Hey, it's McAdam. <laughs> Some believe that the Maltese had the Irish move down, that it comes right. from McAuliffe, actually. So, but uh, M, who the hell lowercase c, then uppercase I look Irish, don't yeah. I? Yeah. yeah. Especially, that's a little bit of green in your jacket, right? Yeah, I think it's green. I was, I was asking... Uh, I was asking... Uh, there's Nadine, like even a little bit of Nadine, green in the shirt. Nadine said there's no green. No, there's, you're two-tone green right yeah. now. Does it read green? Yeah. Sebi, cameraman Sebi? I hope it reads green, yeah. Dark green. I'm in this spirit. Very impressive. Uh, okay. Let's, let's get go, to, Jesse. Um, let's get to some sports from last night, and we'll begin with the Toronto Raptors. Do they hate my accent? Is that what's going uh, on? It was all yeah. skill, no luck for the Raps last night as they picked up a sixth straight win at home, beating the Thunder 128-111. Pascal Siakam led the way with 25 points and 14 boards. Jakob Pertle had a third straight double-double and a massive dunk that you saw. Meanwhile, Gary Trent Jr. broke out of a slump with 23 points off the bench, and Fred Van Vliet scored 19. Yesterday we talked about how much GTJ has struggled off the bench. Sometimes that's difficult to say. <laughs> how big a key, I love how you slowed that down. Though. How big yeah. a key are Van Vliet and Gary for what the Raps are doing? Oh, immensely, moment. immensely large. Uh, and, and not just because they are the engine and... You know, we were talking about the numbers that the starting five without Gary Trent Jr. in the mix, GTJ, as the kids call him. It's not easy to say. Without him in the mix, they've put up some really impressive numbers, like really impressive numbers. And if you look over the last little while, it's, you know, with this starting five, it's eighth. And this is with Jakob Pertl. So since the Jakob Pertl deal, not exactly this season, but you can understand the point. Offensive rating third, defensive rating third. And you get the margin, and that's second best in the NBA since picking up Jakob Pertl and going with this starting line. Like, they are very efficient, very effective numbers. If Gary Trent Jr. could be consistent in his game off the bench, it would make this team a hell of a lot different and better. The problem is, and the reason why he hasn't been signed to a long-term extension at this time, 
is because he's not consistent with it. Yeah. Like last night was almost maddening to me because you see what a difference it makes on this team when he is that guy, not the guy who was five for 29 from the floor over his last three games. Like he came off the bench, he provided a spark, and because he did that, they weren't going to be beat last night, even if Shea Gilgis-Alexander had 19 and a half. Yeah, the, the drop-off has been considerable, too, from Gary. Like, it's not like it's been small. He's averaging five points per game less after the All-Star break than before. Like, he was a massive part of this team in the pre-All-Star portion of this season. And when you don't have him in the starting lineup anymore, obviously they have been better. But if you can get the scoring that he gave you, at the beginning of the year off the bench, that's been like one of their top, I would say, three major issues all year long. Without a doubt. And the history of the NBA is littered with guys who could do that very effectively being very big pieces on the good teams, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I grew up with Vinny the Microwave Johnson. And I don't know if you remember him coming off the pit. He was a huge key to how the bad boy Pistons became champions without the MVP in their lineup. Yeah. And so you look at Gary Trent Jr. And you say, if he can do this consistently, this is a really good team. The problem is him and Freddie Van Vliet this year haven't been able to do it consistently. But when they're both going, this team yeah. is among the better teams in the Eastern Conference. I said it with my chest out. When they're going, when those two are going, we know what you're going to get from Pascal Siakam. I think we already know what we're going to get from Jakob Pertl based on matchups. If Fred Van Vliet plays well and Gary Trent Jr. plays well, they're really hard to beat. The problem is we haven't seen that for a consistent period mm-hmm. of time. And I would challenge Gary Trent Jr. that if he was that guy, and he's young, he's 24, but so is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, right? Like, they're both 24 years old. And if Gary Trent Jr. was consistent with that, he would write a very big check for himself. Yes. In, and he's going to get a big check. He's yeah. going to get a lot Regardless of Regardless if it's, if it's in be, Toronto or not. It would be a huge number yes. if he was consistent with it. And he's just not that yet. Speaking of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 29 points last night despite, I thought, like a pretty good game plan from Nick Nurse. Um, moving guys around, having OG cover him late, started with Fred on him, through help at him in the middle portion of the game. But nonetheless, Shea still puts up 29. You see just how, how good and how far he's come. Yeah, he's so good. And that's the youngest team in the league, right? Like, look around at how long it's taken teams like Sacramento or Orlando or Atlanta or the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm or the Philadelphia 76ers to be relevant in this league. Shea has the youngest team in the league. He's 24 years old, and they're tied with the Lakers in the West. I know it's for ninth and 10th, but they are right there. They are right there, and their second overall pick from this year hasn't played a game. And they have a boatload more picks coming. They have a boatload. It's really cool as a guy who grew up doing a lot of basketball in this country, formerly doing the NCAA tournament when we had one or two Canadians to talk Mm -hmm. about, right? Like, now we have, what, a record 53 Canadians, men's and women's side of the tournament. And just this week, Jamal Murray coming into Toronto and playing. Then Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort coming into Toronto and play. His cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, coming on the weekend. Like, just to look at this and remember when I used to do court surfing and we only had Steve Nash games to go yeah, to. Yeah, wild. 
to show a Canadian in the NBA. Maybe the big cat came along, Jamal McGuire, shout out, Scarborough in the building. And we get to some Charlotte Hornets games. Mm-hmm. But it was basically Nash and McGlure, and that was it. And now every day there's another Canadian coming in to face Canadians on the Raptors. It's just I, I, I have to remind myself constantly where we've come from as a basketball-playing nation to where we are now because it is jaw-dropping. And although the results haven't come for Canada basketball, like I said, for soccer. They will come. Mm-hmm. And we still haven't even seen a Sporting News Player of the Year and prospective John Wooden Award winner Zach Eady get started at the NCAA tournament. Uh, we got, we got about an hour a bit. A little yeah. bit, of, uh, about an hour. Uh, Paul Jones coming up in a little bit less than an hour uh, to talk much more about the NBA. Let's yeah, get and to the Canadians was, too. And the Canadians yeah. as well. Uh, let's get to what was a busy night on the ice. The Sens continue to struggle, losing oh. to the Avalanche 5-4. The Jets also couldn't break out of their slump as they were shut out by the Bruins. Meanwhile, the Oilers and Flames picked up a pair of big victories. Edmonton takes down the central leading Stars, while Calgary blew out Vegas 7-2. Which result stood out to you the most? I think the Oilers' result stood out to me the most, but the most important win was the Calgary Flames. I hope that distinction is important, and I'm not just yeah. So which one do you want to go spreading deep Spreading it. Yeah. Let's start with the Flames. Sure. I mean, listen, that's a gutsy win going into a place that you had never won before yeah. in Sin City. 0-7-1 coming in and coming up with a win against a very hot Golden Knights team in a game that you absolutely positively needed. And it was interesting to see how Daryl Sutter got it done. I mean, Jacob Peltier and Walker Dewar end up being scratched. Uh, Flames Twitter is aghast. They're yelling, they're screaming. And it was Toffoli, who, I don't know if you remember, but yep. called some folks out. It was Dylan Dubé with his career high, 18th. It was Blake Coleman. It was their guts. And they split up Jonathan Uberdeau and Nazem Kadri, and they got a result. I hope that this is the start of momentum, but how many times have you and I sat here and said this is the start of momentum for the Calgary Flames? Yeah, and then they go lose five straight one-goal games. Right. I don't want. I saw you making fun of me for saying the difference between good and great and consistency on Twitter. No, I saw it. I saw it. You were going no, back and forth with a friend of the show, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you were poking fun at Uncle Timmy with one of the most true statements that there is in sports: the difference between good and great is consistency. And this is what Calgary can't do, hasn't done. We'll see if they can, but I'm not counting it until they do. It's a good way to get engagement: is talk about a public figure such as yourself. Um, yeah, we, we, the Flames, it seems like, we were saying this the whole time, it feels like they could really be in it. Uh, but the Oilers are certainly working their way up the standings, been very good lately, and Matthias Ekholm is plus 13 since joining the Oilers. So I don't even know, I know you don't like the plus-minus stat. No, plus-minus. But in eight games. No, no, no. I, um, people diminish the plus-minus stat because so many people use it in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. To suggest that a guy that was plus 13 in eight games and yet to post a dash in any game that he has played for his new team. Like you and I talked about this after the game one and you was like that was the dream start for Matthias Eckelman. I was like yes, but let's wait and see. Mm -hmm. Well this eight game sample size has proven the exact same things you were trying to say after one game with this team. And that is that he is slot, you and I, when the deal was made, said, 
okay, so Nurse and CeCe don't have to play as much. That could make them better. And he could clean up Bouchard's yeah, mess. Yeah. And Bouchard could... All of those things are true through eight games. And they just played a high-flying team that had scored a bunch of goals and held them to a 4-1 game. Like, those are the games that you win in the postseason. And with this firepower, as you can tell by the numbers when giving up three or less, not less than three, three or less, they're 23 and two on the year. They've picked up points in 22 of 25 games when they hold their opponent to three or less. If they can play that game, they will, like this is a real good sign for Jay Woodcroft and the rest of that team. What did, Nurse played 1847 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. last night. Wildly different in situation. In a 4-1 yeah. game. His yeah. season average, 23-39. Mm-hmm. That's way different. That's a better team. And this is these are wonderful signs for Jay Woodcroft and Oilers fans. Again, we'll wait till we proclaim it. But, man, does that look good doing what they did to Dallas. Also very helpful when Connor McDavid uh, added again 57 on the year, point in 24 of his last 25 games. So he's been ridiculous. Uh, quickly, I want to get to uh, the Lars Eller controversy oh, in the Avalanche Senators so game last for night. Sens. For those that didn't see it, um, this was waved off. No one knew it was waved off. And because of it, Lars Eller saw a loose puck and scored. And nobody knew. I mean, Sogard covers the puck. There's no whistle. And when he lets go, play to the whistle is what kids, I understand it. You suck it up, buttercup. I know I'm going to get that. But it's ridiculous, no? Yeah. I guess the the refs, at least the explanation was that the refs thought the puck went off a senator, but that didn't happen. So they just screwed up. And then, yeah, as a goalie, obviously you're taught to smother the puck whenever it's in the crease. But... It certainly seemed like everybody stopped playing except well, Lars Connor Eller. gave up. Yeah, it was lo- yeah. like literally yeah. everyone was just like, "Okay, it plays yeah. over. That's it." Uh, you know, I, I could I could uh, I could summarize mm-hmm. what we saw in that moment with just this. This dude right here summarizes the moment for me, and the look after is wonderful. Like. That's been the last week for sense. <laughs> That's yeah. been the last week for Ottawa Senators fans. Wrapped up. Uh, cut or uncut the jersey over the suit? Uncut. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm, that's a tougher conversation. Depends who's on the back. Because then it becomes a whole, you know, if you're a older, older gener- guy, gentleman, yeah. if you're older yeah. than the player, do you want to wear someone with that name on the back? Can you not just, though, take off the dress shirt? Leave that in the car or something like that, and go like, well, just like a t-shirt. Yeah, did he have a t-shirt though? Now we're getting into real. I'm a t-shirt wearer under the dress shirt. Are you? Oh yeah, Yeah, for sweat purposes. All the time. Nah, it's just it's comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah, it's more comfortable that way. Yeah, even like a shirt like that. Like I could never wear that without it. It's a little itchy. Yeah. It's a little itchy. Let's shift, our yeah. attention to, <laughs> let's shift our attention yeah. to baseball and get off this topic. Uh, spring training rolls on today. Split squad action for the Jays. And check it out. They're getting festive down in Dunedin. Fans decked out in St. Patty's Day swag. Ready to see Yusei Kikuchi make his fifth start of the spring. Oh. And Jesse, Yusei has been dealing. Hadn't given up a run through four spring starts. They've got the green hats. And nothing else, but they do got the green hat. Top one, three, two. Kikuchi thinks he's got strike three on Brandon Marsh. 
umpire issues a walk. I, I, I probably thought it was a ball, but whatever. He can't believe it. Next batter, Kikuchi behind 3-0. Misses low with his fast. Back-to-back -back walks, puts two men on. Very next batter, Jake Cave. It's kooky, he's nutty, he's crazy. Not really, he's just off the wall. It's an RBI double. Kikuchi allows his first run of the spring. Gave up two overall over three and a third. But that's where you need him to be better, is when he loses it, how quickly does he get it back? Uh, Toronto's down 8 nothing when Bo Bichette goes the other way. Bichette had a decent day, two for three with a pair of singles. Next batter, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. lifts a fly ball. Sebastian Espino tags. Looked ahead home. We got to play at the place. And he is saved. Guerrero Jr. proud of his contributions. However, that's the only run they got. No collisions yeah. in spring training. No, no Everybody stay safe. Here's Schneider on Kikuchi. Let's see if he talks about the same thing. I thought the strike zone was pretty tight in the first inning. Um, but I thought he kind of settled in. I like how he kind of handled the situation. He got himself in with some traffic. Um, and it was just kind of execution of his breaking ball, I think, uh, as the outing went on. But... I mean, overall, I mean, a lot of positives out of today. I know there were a few walks. Um, again, I think he was around the zone enough and made a pretty good adjustment. Or at least all Jays fans hope, right? Yes. Uh, other split squad action, Chris Bassett getting the start. Bottom of first against Reese Hos Hoskins. Got it good, and since I understood, he goes beyond the restraining fences of this yard. That means it's a home run by Major League Baseball rules. It's his second of the spring. It's one nothing. Phillies next inning. Bassett hits Dalton Guthrie on the hand. That puts a man on. Next pitch. Bassett again. Jim Haley this time. And put it on. Two aboard. Next pitch. Bassett. All right, it's not going all that well. He's called for a balk. So the punters move to second and third. Now two out. Bassett facing Bryson Stott. And Stott will ground out, escaping the jam that he created himself. <laughs> Bottom four, Bassett had one strikeout, and you just saw it, my friends. Allows one earned run over five innings, four hits, no off. Good strikeout. Solid yeah, shot. Very solid. Phillies yeah. <laughs> win 4-2 as the Fanatic celebrates. No Yuppie, but the Fanatic consensus best mascot in sports. Uh, Gritty. Gritty's new. Yeah, but Gritty has, been Gritty around has a for like 40 years. Yeah, no, I, like, I, I know I you're like a millennial that. or whatever the hell you are. I understand And you're that. just going to take the latest and greatest and whatever is the hottest. But Gritty's got a long way to go to match the, the, the Fanatic's long-term commitment. Needs to staying power. No, I got, I yeah. got that. Yeah. I said UP. I said he's no. No. UP, yeah. <laughs> was, Don't worry, was Sebastian. Really, yeah. He was the really Quebec weird. native in here yeah. got upset. I said UP. I said oh he's no UP. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Well, but you, to, to exist, for UP to exist when his franchise is gone is amazing. That's called staying power. Yeah, that is. That is. So, so maybe it's UP. Yeah, it could be. Like, mascot power ranking. Zach, Tim, and friends right now. Is UP one? The Raptors the Raptors he, pretty good. Raptors damn good. The Raptors really yeah. and, good. As, and it's been... The same Raptor yeah. underneath the Raptor, which is crazy. The entire time. Did you consider the the dunks and the like? That's a that's a long. You remember time. he tore his Achilles? Yes. Yeah. The crutches. Crutches. Yeah. Yeah. Raptors high on that list. Maybe Mr. it's Met. our in-depth knowledge of the Raptor. Mr. Met. Mr. Met. 
I don't know. Mr. Stop Mag- it was Dobby. Mr. 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 He's got a massive head. We don't need to pass right. ego. All right, let's get to yeah, that's good. Very good. Uh, all right, let's get to the match game. Uh, let's have a little fun here. Uh, Blank has the most least luck. Oh, luck God. of the Irish in oh, sports. We have Blank the has door. the most least luck of the Irish in sports. In sports. Uh, Sheila. Most Bruins, Pats, Red Sox, worst Leafs. Get used to it. We're just gonna get Leafs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Al, Al says Ryan Reynolds has the most luck of the Irish in sports. Everything that guy touches lately turns to gold. You know what? I don't know if it's luck or hard work. A combination of things. Oh, you're <laughs> kissing up to Ryan Reynolds over the last little while. Excuse me. Nobody kisses up to Ryan Reynolds more than you. Nobody. What? You love Ryan Reynolds. You are very impressed with Brian Reynolds. He's, but hold on. In this case, he's done one thing. It's Wrexham. Yeah. And a bunch of movies. Yeah. But we're talking about sports. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's sports, yeah. It's, it's one a, thing. He's not even he's not even the owner yet. I mean, he does follow us on all of the socials, so. There you go. So you, you got to be careful. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Uh, Mike says, uh, any team that faces the Leafs in the first round has the most oh, luck of the Irish yeah. in sports. That's how you use the soundboard, Jess. Maybe, you just maybe, push a button. Maybe recency bias, but uh, Mets fans, least luck of the Irish. Bravo. Tough. Uh, Matt says the 2010-2012 Edmonton Oilers were the three consecutive first overall. Oh days. my god, that's With which I think we do have good, to push yeah. back a little bit because Nuge was one of those, right? What? Nuge was one of those picks. Yeah. And that has worked out pretty well. No, he's saying it's lucky. Oh lucky. I misunderstood. Come on. Jesse, what are we doing here? What are we doing? I, because I thought, because I, I, like yeah. idea. because I thought, like, I, I immediately like went idea. to Yakupov. I, I went to, like I, I'm not even going to explain it. But I went to Yakupov. So I thought, you know, it didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. Fine. That's how you push, that's a soundboard. We have one. We set it up. It's supposed Take to be used. Take data. Thank you. <laughs> Still to come, Luke Gadsdick <laughs> drops by to discuss the playoff race in the West. Plus, his thoughts on the queue planning a ban of fighting. You didn't, you didn't even know what that was. We're not going to talk about Thomas Tatar. And after the break, we'll dive back into the Raptors story as Paul Jones joins us with his takeaways, plus the continued rise of Canadians in the NBA. You didn't even know what Very that was. Very proud of myself. Uh, I thought oh, it was I funny. I can tell, yeah. I thought it was yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> Tim and Friends. The no look. Doughty walks the line, drags it away from Peterson. Doughty all the way to the net. Humphrey, they score! Couple amazing moves. And how about that? Wow. Stan goes back to the line. Hayden with a drop. Rebound. Oh, what a save by Schmidt as he absolutely loves Nepal. Call the cops. But that'll be icing. Well. Perhaps not. Is that jump oh, right oh, on oh, and it's oh, oh, let it go and they'll bang it in. And that is a sinking feeling for the Sens and Matt Sogard. What is going on? Shea Gildas Alexander coming back home to his home and native land. Shea goes in with a left hand. Fred with the up and under. Little scoop a loop. Little this, little that. Shea launches. The three is good. See, now you see me, now 
you don't. Here's Shea, gets into the lane, right to the iron with a two-handed slam. The no look. Oh! Right down Bay Street. Barton gives it back. Christian oh! To Trent Jr. The bucket is good, and the Raptors are on a roll. Toronto Raptors have won consecutive games. They win at 128-111 over the Thunder. We were talking Raptors in the Canada basketball celebrations in first things first after last night's win over the OKC Thunder, beating Shy and the Thunder pretty handily. My next guest has a pretty damn good view of both, working on both the Raptors and Canada basketball. It is longtime friend of the show. Paul Jones, welcome back to the show, Jonesy. How are you, buddy? Uncle Timmy, good to, good to be here on Friday afternoon. I, I would ask you how your bracket's doing, but... Uh... <laughs> They're all they're they're all busted they're, right now. Anyway, so. I, I saw coming into today that zero point zero zero two percent of brackets were still perfect. Yeah, you know, and last Sunday night people were agonizing over games that will no, never happen. Right? Like, oh, I got I got so and so against so and so, but I don't know who to take. Don't worry, that game will never show up on your. Yeah. On, in your yeah. If you get there, just be happy, my friend. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about last night, and I'm going to hit you hard today because I was almost frustrated by last night, and let me explain why, Jonesy. I was talking about in this the first segment of our show about how good this team is when Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. play well. And yes. let's be honest, those might be the two biggest decisions of the Raptors' future, No. Uh, they are two big decisions. Yeah. Um, and I just I just look at the way that uh, – and, and both of those guys, I'll give you my take. Freddie, we call him Steady Freddie, and that's for a reason. He steadies the offense. Uh, he steadies – he's got a steady hand on the rudder of the ship. Mm -hmm. uh, he just seems to make big plays when needed. And he learned from a guy that did that before here in Kyle Lowry. And uh, Fred has um, – just as much emotional cachet, it just doesn't come out in the same way. But it, that's going to be a big decision because this guy's a vet. He's had his hands on the trophy. He was in uh, the biggest games at the biggest moments and just understands how to play and what's needed and when. So um, that that's going to be a huge decision. And then you talk about, I mean, part of being a good team is uh, acquisition or recruitment uh, development and then retention. Right. They make the trade for Gary. He he develops. He comes on. He's good as a starter. He's great off the bench. He can score. Uh, his defense is probably better than many people thought it would be when he got here. And now it's time to pay him. Uh, if you don't, you're going to have to look for a guy that you've developed and somebody else has taken from you. So, like I said, the retention part is is big and you know Gary you can you can tell like you, you just watch him play enough he makes as soon as he makes one shot it's the old adage that that we use we use you know make till you miss miss till you make right and with a shooter the next one goes in and that's one in a row and he's on a roll and I just watch Gary he never seems to take bad shots they don't speed him up I've watched him enough that I can tell when a shot is coming I can tell when he goes into the dribble move and the bounce that here, here it comes. He's, he's raising up and he's going to shoot it. And oftentimes if he's in rhythm and he's clear and he's into his, into his routine and, and sequence of the moves, that thing's going down. 
So, yeah, no, you're right, Tim. They've got a couple of really big decisions to make. And I think part of building a championship team is, uh, you know, how do you handle those big decisions? Right. Uh, not my money, but I'd like to see them both back. So so therein lies the dilemma. And I, I tend to agree with you, though. I would suggest to you that if, if Gary Trent Jr. was a little bit more consistent, I would feel a lot better about the money that we're talking about to retain the talent that you have developed. And listen, I understand, Jesse, bear with me here. The, yeah. the difference between good and great is consistency. <laughs> and with a shooter, that's even harder, Jonesy. A shooter in this league, that's even harder. But if Gary Trent Jr. was consistent, he, he would be writing, a, he's going to get a big check. He would be well, writing a huge check for himself. And this team is ninth. So I, I, it's hard for me to marry the let's retain your guys when you're still ninth in the East. Yeah. And so what is it? Last year they were sixth. Right. Um, so was last year an overachieve? Was this year an underachieve? Does Jakob change of- this? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, things have maybe things have kind of balanced out, but I just think there's great potential in this team. And I don't see any of those guys at the top, Philadelphia, Boston, Milwaukee. I don't see any of them saying, putting their hand up and saying, yeah, sure, we'll take Toronto in the first round. <laughs> That's not happening. That's not happening because, and I'm not saying they're going to win the series, but they could take something out of you. They could, they, you know, and and Nick Nurse can scheme for people. I just think they're a dangerous team. And that doesn't mean to say that, you know, I think they're going to win. But they have a good they have a good chance. And they have uh, the ability to to upset those teams at the top. And like I said, nobody's putting their hand up to say, yeah, we'll take Toronto. As for your point with with Gary Trent, um, Timmy, if you don't pay him, somebody will. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. And 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 they might give him that big check anyway. Right. Uh, waiting for him to develop the consistency, as, as you say. And look, he was he was good in his role uh, last year as a starter. Uh, I think he's still adapting in his role this year uh, off the bench because when you come in off the bench, you're playing with different guys. Right. Uh, you know, you know the the hybrid unit. If he's out there with Pascal and Fred, it's different. And OG, it's out there. It's different than being out there with. Uh, you know, Boucher and Precious and, and you know, Malachi. Right. Uh, so, um, I mean, therein to me lies part of the issue with his consistency and knowing where his shots come and when they come. But like I said, it ain't my money, and I'm always good at spending other people's money. I pay them both. <laughs> All right, listen, uh, you still look like you can take it to the Tim with the best of them at York University back in the day on the Boulevard of Linden. So I don't want to date you here, but you've been around since jump for the Toronto Raptors. And I was just mentioning how when I used to host court surfing, if we had a Steve Nash or a Jamal McGlure game on the day we were doing court surfing, we were happy because we'd have a Canadian in the game. And yeah. as Shea rolls in and looks like he is on the verge of superstardom, after Jamal came in on Monday, and before uh, Shea's cousin comes in on Saturday, tomorrow, like, I think we kind of have to stop and take stock of exactly how far we have come, Jonesy, in this country when it comes to basketball players. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you what, on the 21st, uh, we get a couple other kids coming in, uh, Matherin and uh, a, a young man that I uh, that I watched grow up. His son, uh, his dad, Claude, and I sat there as Claude planned his basketball camp 
uh, in, in Aurora. And Andrew Nemhardt, he played bitty ball with my kids. Man. So we are at that point, Tim. And let's face it, we have more players on NBA rosters than any other country in the world except for the United States. So I, I don't know if we have to stop it. I think we need to continue, continue to celebrate it. Um, and not let it become kind of old hat and 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 ho hum, um, and it's big for these kids. I mean, after the game, Shea had like a whole section of people waiting for him. Yeah. You know, I saw him on I saw him in the tunnel on the way out. We had a, a you know a brief hello, and um, you know, a Lou Dort, another one. These are yep. guys that are going to be toiling for Canada as we try to win a medal. As I say this with my Canada basketball board of directors hat on. Uh, as we try to win a medal at the World Cup this year, yeah. So it it is to be celebrated. It 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 really is, Tim. Yeah. Um, is. And I tell you what, it's dangerous for the Raptors too because these <laughs> guys come back and they're it's it's the Toronto Maple Leaf phenomenon, right? Where That's exactly actually, what I was thinking of. Like it used to just be the Leafs where the family section was filled and waiting right. for the opponents to come out to visit with their family after they just torched the home team. And I'm so right. damn proud when I walk by that section now after a Raptors game and there's just as many families sitting around waiting. Yeah, and, and you know, we got we got more on the horizon too. Yeah. So uh, it is a big deal. And it's it's great for Canada. And uh, we're, we're making a statement in the world. I, like, I, look, I know this. I know this for a fact. You could always come to Canada and get a player. And now with our kids going south of the border and being involved in AAU and playing in prep schools and stuff like that, it's become even more of a, you know, a fertile picking ground for, for you know, for coaches, college coaches and, and people to come and find players. So, I'm, you know, you should be br- proud if you're a Canadian. And the next step is to keep our kids here for high school where they can have enough competition and then go down to the United States for their college. because, And I'm not saying that the experience in high school is bad, but I think we would do better by our kids to keep them here. It, it's always good to be at home. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's got to be competitive, though, and I think that's why a lot of our kids leave. They, Understood. They, they thirst for and they seek that competition, and they get it down there, and it hardens them, and it makes them better, and it toughens them up. And that was the only uh, drawback, the only question that parents or kids uh presented to coaches is he tough enough you know can she can she handle the competition i'm talking about the men and the women too i mean we're looking at the the pro game we're looking at the tournament timmy Mm -hmm. we're looking at the women's tournament too yep now we got canadians all over the place 53 in the the tournaments yeah 53 in the tournaments amazing uh I, i love talking basketball with you jonesy you know, you got the number, man. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't be a stranger. I'm here. Anytime. Anytime. I appreciate you dropping by, man. All right, Tim. All right. There is uh, Paul Jones, who has uh, seen it from jump here in the city. All right. Uh, on the other side, it is Friday. We might get to some of those highlights. Also, Jesse's got a little thank golf. It's Friday. Mm, love it. Plus, that madness is upon all. Look at Izzo hulking out on the sidelines. Tommy boy. I'm saying hi, Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Champs League quarterfinal draw went today, and oh boy, did we get some drama. Just take a quick look at the left side of your screen. Two tournament favorites, Manchester City, Bayern Munich, drew each other. Winner of that one would get the defending champs, Real Madrid or Chelsea, in the semi. The other side of the bracket, all three remaining Italian teams 
Inter Milan will get Benfica, while AC Milan will face high flying. The, the scenes from Napoli right now are unbelievable. I know you guys showed them yeah. earlier this week. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. Uh, I do realize that the way I phrased it, it may have seemed like I thought Benfica was an Italian team. I know that's a Portuguese team. And don't get me started on it because I heard a lot about it for about 20 years, okay? I know they are Portuguese and the rest are Italian. Kind of good since you understood quarterfinals get going. April 11th, Jays home opener. April 11th, Champs League action. There is going to be some action on that day. Whole spectrum of accents today. Yeah, we Very have Irish, talented, yeah. Portuguese, Italiano. I'm impressed. As, as a son of Toronto, growing up in the city, I know a lot of people think that we think that we're the center of the universe. Yeah. We're not, but in a way we are. Because a lot of people come from a lot of different areas okay. to live in Toronto. And so growing up as a son of the city, I believe that I know how to say hello in more languages than most people on planet Earth. I was nervous there for a second. I was hoping you had a good explanation, and you did. But when you started the sentence with, we are the center of the universe, universe yeah. I got a little concerned. Yeah, it is the most ready. multicultural I just, city. I heard and just proof that that works. tweets coming yeah. in very quickly. Um, you want to do some golf? I'd love to do some golf. It is a Friday. And for, uh, for all of us, thank golf, it's Friday. Uh, all right, Timmy, Blink and the Masters will be here. All we have left on the PGA Tour schedule before Augusta is this week's Valspar Championship. Are you good? I'm okay. Yeah, okay I'm okay right, right now. Right. We have the Dell match play next week, Valero Texas Open, and then it's time for the first major of the year. And, Timmy, the first opportunity of the season to see both PGA Tour players and live players in the same tournament together, which would be, could you imagine on Sunday, you have maybe Rory and Cam Smith walking down 18 at the Masters together. It'd be pretty awesome. Uh, we're also still awaiting word on whether Tiger Woods will be healthy enough to go for a sixth green jacket. You know, I am waiting anxiously for that. Yeah, we'll have to call a doctor after four hours. No question. I feel like he is going to play. Seems like he made it through the last tournament he played in unscathed, but we'll see. Uh, that was Cameron Percy with a tough lie from the bunker. Falls awkwardly, bogey the hole, par four, 12, Peter Nade. A Monday qualifier from the rough, chips in for birdie. He's still seven over par. But at least he walks away with a highlight. Par four, six, Henrik Norlander chipping off the green at 63 feet out. Indeed, gets it to drop, birdie gets him back to even. Par five, fifth, MJ Daffy from the bunker. Rattles the stick for birdie, moves him to three under par. This not, ain't the Masters. No, <laughs> can you tell based on the names or something? Not everyone having the luck of the Irish, though. Carson Young, tee shot on the car, 313th. That leaderboard. It's the railing. And a little too strong of a bounce back into the water. He double bogey. Par 5, 14th. 2017 champ, Adam Hadwin. Chip. Soft hands, rolls to within a couple feet. He would tap in for birdie. Hadwin finished three over par, so not great. Uh, yeah, he, he made the point. If you look at this leaderboard. Seems like everybody else is looking forward to Augusta, too. Yeah. <laughs> but there's Adam a few Shane. that might be there. Spieth is there. He's five under par, which is... Kramer Hickok, that's a great. Hopefully Spieth playing well going into Augusta. Boy, Cody Dribble. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, so let's move on to March Madness, which continues after a couple shockers yesterday. I'm not talking about Wichita State. Projected <laughs> men's player of the year, Toronto, Zach Eady in action with Purdue later tonight. But let's get you caught up to date on the action that matters so far today. We'll give you Kennesaw State and Xavier. First half, Damon Robinson on the alley-oop. Cute Bill Rafferty. Not quite send it in Jerome, but you know what I'm talking about. The underdog Alice first ever tournament appearance led by 13 with other 10 to play. But Sully Boom goes to Dynamite. That's his name, Sully Boom. Off the glass, tied it at 61, dying seconds. Musketeers up one. Jack Nunji there for a game-saving rejection as Xavier survives the scare. They win 72-67 and move on to help keep some brackets alive. Looking at the rest of the scores, St. Mary's moves by. Uh, oh, poor Sherman Hamilton upset somewhere after VCU goes down by 12. Uh, Michigan State moving on, 10-point winners over USC. Vermont, the Catamounts go down to Marquette and a significant Canadian there. Uh, Iona, halftime, lead UConn by two. Is that bad That's for bad. you? No one cares about my How do you pick against coaches in this term? Anyways, let's move on. Uh, women's side, round one getting underway today. Uh, I don't know if anyone's picking against South Carolina. Mm. Overwhelming favorites to repeat. They got their tournament underway this afternoon. Now, normally, I say if you haven't lost going into the tournament because I was a fan of UNLV, you should be scared. I don't know about this Gamecock squad. This is Letitia Amaher taking the pass, two of her 11 points. And it was South Carolina by 13 after one. Amahara, of course, from Mississauga. Third quarter, nice ball move. Bria Briel connects from downtown. They're up by 20. Later in the third, Johnson swings open. And it's Beal again. Trey Bien, and so is South Carolina. They win by 32 and are now 33 and 0. Got a good decision. They are overwhelming favorites to win a 62-team tournament. Excuse me, a 64-team tournament. It's absurd. It is absurd. But when we come back, we'll head to Scotiabank Arena, Leafs and Canes, some big wins last night, plus Luke Gadsden from the Hockey Central Studios. Next from Tim and Friends. Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Team Dogs. Back here for our final half an hour of the week on Tim and Friends. We'll hand it off to Hockey Central at 6.30 Eastern time, which includes today Luke Gazdick, as he will join us in a couple minutes as well. Four games on the ice, just one Canadian team in action, but that's a pretty good game. Leafs hosting the Canes in another measuring stick type affair for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have lost two games on home ice this week, Sabres and the Avalanche, while the Canes dealing with the loss of Andre Svechnikov for the season as they try and hang on to top spot in the Metro. With more, let's send it live, Scotiabank Arena, live, Jesse Fuchs. What's going on, Jesse? Oh, lots, Timmy. Lots to be excited about if you're going to be at Scotiabank Arena tonight, of course. The Leafs are going to be wearing those awesome St. Patrick's Day uniforms. I'm sure there's a green beer or two you can find in this rink if that's what you're into. I'm more of a Guinness man, but no judgment. Whatever you want to consume <laughs> is up to you. And, of course, now the other big story is Luke Shen making his second Leafs 
home debut. He welcomed his third child into the world last week, and he's going to play his first home game in a Leafs uniform. Well, sort of, you know, they're wearing green tonight, but you know what I mean. Since April 7th of 2012, almost 11 years later, this place was still called the Air Canada Centre at that point. Colby Armstrong was on that Leafs team. And <laughs> besides Luke Shen from that Leafs roster, there is only one other player who's still currently active in the NHL. And it is, of course, guys, the NHL's Iron Man, Phil Kessel, just as we all would have predicted for him <laughs> almost 11 years ago. That he'd still be playing and still going strong. Good for Phil Kessel. Now, to make room for Luke Shen, Justin Hall will be a healthy scratch tonight as the Leafs will again go with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen. Sheldon Keefe hinted they would go back to a more traditional 12 and 6 for the second half of their back-to-back -to -back tomorrow night in Ottawa. As for Engel, Ilya Samsonov is the expected starter, which makes sense given how well he's played at home this season. But it also means, guys, that means Matt Murray is going to play on the road tomorrow in our nation's capital, his return to take on the Senators, where he has a chance to perhaps deliver the final knockout blow to the Sens' playoff hopes. So the Leafs just like firing out great storylines as we head into the weekend and green beer. I, I noticed Jesse in his green shirt was shaking his head when you mentioned the 11 forward, seven defensemen, uh, the other yeah. Jesse, Jesse Rubinoff. What, 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 what's, what, what are you worried about here? What's going on? I wouldn't say I'm worried. I just think they're experimenting a too lot. Too much? Maybe. A little too much. Fuchs, what do you think about the, uh, <laughs> the over-experimentation angle from Jesse Rubinoff all week on this very show? Literally yeah. all week, yeah. I, I kind of agree with him. I, I, I defer to the people who actually know what they're talking about. So I listened to Jason York, yeah. former NHLer Jason York yeah. on Real Kipper and Board. And he I goes, do that too. Yeah. No, yeah. not Jesse Rubin. Yeah. <laughs> I like to defer to smarter people, but no offense to you, Jess. Uh, he said it's, you know, when you have seven guys, it throws you out of your rotation. He's like, it relies on a really good coach to keep everybody sort of motivated into the game. And you can't have moments where a guy's going to sit for six, seven minutes, expect him to get up cold off the bench and then into a hockey game. But I really don't think, and Sheldon Keefe sort of alluded to this, this is not the full-time plan going into the playoffs. They will get back to 12 and 6, but they have a 1,000 defensemen right now, and they need all of them to be somewhat healthy, somewhat into the game, somewhat playing games yeah. as they get to playoff time. So I think this is sort of just sort of a stopgap measure uh, at this point. All right, last one real quick here. Are you one of those guys who thinks that you're more of a man because you drink Guinness? I got a few no, buddies. No, I, I don't judge. buddies that look at me like, ah, oh, yeah, you can't drink the stout, can you? Well, I only drink it, you know, it's got to be a particular time of year for Guinness. You know, All the right. beer that eats like a meal. <laughs> yes. You know, it's got to be cold weather. That's what you need. But I'm a beer snob, guys. I'm an IPA guy. The more cloudy, the more, you know, boysenberry and stuff you can put into it is kind of my thing. So oh, I, I shouldn't be commenting, but you drink whatever you drink, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, it's I, your life. I appreciate you do what it. makes you happy. That's my motto. I thought it was the Scarborough in both of us, but I appreciate you nonetheless, my friend. <laughs> the Scarborough never leaves. <laughs> there is a Jesse Fuchs joining us from Scotiabank Arena as we get set for the Leafs and the Canes. All right, let's bring in Luke on this uh, very same conversation. Luke Adzik joins us now. And, uh, Luke, we were just talking about the 11-7. and 7. As a former player, is, is that something you like? I know you were a forward, so maybe you didn't like it. Um, what's your take on what the Leafs are doing and what we've seen the Oilers do for a big chunk of this year? 
Yeah, as a forward, I mean, it's good and bad. For me, I don't know, it was pretty cool for me at least. Uh, the top centers will come down and center your line, you know, every couple yeah. shifts. So you get a couple yeah. with Connor here and there. That wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah. You generally end up getting a little more ice time. But at the same time, you do like having, you know, your two line mates and, and being able to, you know, get creative with them and flow with them and, and kind of have your little group and, and take a lot of pride in being like the third or fourth line. Like us as the fourth line took, took a lot of pride uh, in doing that role. And I, I know for defensemen, I know they don't love it. And that's a pretty easy, obvious answer. Less ice time goes around. You have different partners you're playing with throughout the game. So I know D-men didn't really love it. But for me, you know, it, it was okay. It really depends on, depended on the matchup. I know Gary Bettman told me that I'm supposed to like the way that the current uh, playoff format is set up. But because of that current playoff format, um, we know who the Leafs are playing. We know who the Tampa Bay Lightning are playing in Jesse has been worried about the over-experimentation of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm like, what does it matter? They know who they got. When you get to two weeks, maybe you can start worrying about whether or not any of these manifestations will see the light of day when it matters most. What do you take of what the Leafs have been doing over the last little while here? Uh, Toronto fans love to worry about everything. <laughs> yeah, so, <they> <laughs> um, No, you could try it out. I, I don't mind it right now. Try some different combinations. Let's see what works. Get guys in there and... Um, I actually don't mind the shuffling around a little bit. Just don't mess with it too much. But we expected this. When you bring in, you know, f what was it, four roster players from, from different guys at the deadline here, you got to try out some different things, see what works. With Snook, with, with Ryan O'Reilly being out of the lineup, he has a, a little bit uh, more freeness to do that. So uh, if there's any time to do it, then now's the time. You know, one of the things we were talking about, given what happened last night, where basically everything fell right for the Calgary Flames, and now they find themselves three points out of a playoff spot, and Vancouver is one. One of the subtopics that we had here was that the Dallas Stars have less wins on the season than the Winnipeg Jets do. The Calgary Flames have seven less wins than the Winnipeg Jets do, but that extra point in all those one-goal games has them just three points back. Are we still okay with the three-point, loser point? See, now, like, I feel like every game that's tied within the last five minutes, especially if it's interconference, no one's playing for the win if it's East versus West. Do you have any problem with the way things are set up when it comes to overtime and the three-point games, especially late in the year? Uh, the only thing I'd probably like is for the overtime to be extended a little bit. Um, I, I mean, I was never a fan of the shootout or, or how that ended up. But for me, when you have some of the most talented players in the world playing three-on-three, -three, especially, you know, teams like Edmonton, uh, I would like to see the overtime extended maybe to 10 minutes. But uh, for now, we'll just stick with what we have, I guess. Preach. We were trying to pass that along to everyone who would listen. Uh, Connor McDavid did agree with us, if it, if it means anything to you. I know you know him well. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he would. <laughs> he loves getting out there. Of course, yeah. He's the best skater in the world, getting on three yeah. on three. A couple more goals, a couple more apples. Uh, that's, that's nice for him, nice for that team. All right, listen, uh, against my better judgment, uh, we did a story yesterday about the QMJHL uh, turning their fighting penalties into... Uh, something a lot harsher uh, to fight and that you were tossed from that game and then suspended another game, effectively banning fighting, unless you really need to. Have you heard the story one? And as a dude that dropped the mittens more than a few times, what are your thoughts on the idea in junior hockey, which I think is an important distinction between junior and the NHL? Yeah, you're right about it being a major difference. And I'm obviously biased because 
that's sad to think about. If I couldn't fight in junior, I would have never got drafted to the NHL. And right. that's just plain fact, right? And, and now you're going to have, you know, if this happens, you're going to have some kids that don't have fighting in junior that maybe go to pro hockey and all of a sudden you're exposed to this when you haven't been in junior. I, I don't like it at all. Um, it, it's, for, for me, it's a way of policing the game. Listen, I understand these are young kids. They're wearing visors. They're pretty fragile and, and brains are still developing and all that. But th there is a major need in the game for this. And yes, we can bring it down a little bit, uh, get rid of some of the stage ones, as people call it. And, and at, the, at the end of the day, for me, this is, this is what I did for a living. So I, 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 truly, I truly love this part of the game. And I just, I, I hate to see it go, especially like that. I, I know I'm not the only one. I, I think it's a bit of a joke, to be honest. And uh, we'll, we'll see if, if other leagues follow. But like I said, like I'm not getting drafted if I didn't fight when I was that young. And, uh, it's just disappointing to see. Uh, we want to protect the players at all costs and make sure everyone's healthy, but I, I still think it's a ma massive part of the game. What, what part of the game do you think would change the most? Because, listen, like, Jesse and I were talking about this, and the amount of fights in the queue right now, 0.07 per game already before this is being put into place. And the part that I thought was lost in a lot of the screaming and yelling that happened yesterday, because I was trying to have a conversation. I knew we wouldn't get far with the actual conversation because people would scream and yell. But Enrico Ciccone, who did the same thing you did, made the NHL because he dropped the mittens, is the guy behind enacting this in the province of Quebec and beyond, obviously, the queue reaches out into the Maritimes. But what part of the game do you think changes the most if you drop fighting or make it harshly penalized? Well, the first major thing is star players get targeted, and you don't like to think it, you don't love to say it, but that's what happens. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. You know, guys will, guys will take liabilities on more skilled, more star players, and if there's no repercussions for them, if, if refs aren't going to call it or if they're getting away with stuff during the game, there's certain ways you can police that. I can even go over and have a chat. It got to a point where I didn't even really have to fight. I could just go over, have a chat, play physical, and that maybe that guy or that team would settle down a little bit. But you won't have that anymore. And I know it's just the junior level, but you can see this is starting to trickle down. And uh, for me, it was a way of protecting your star players. And, heck, the fans love it. The players love it. And, it, 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 it yeah, for me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, the, the only counter that I'll throw at you, Luke, here is, like, I've known of guys who have taken different routes, ended up in the NHL because they knew they weren't ready to play major junior hockey because there are overagers out there that could still do this to you even if you didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? Because, listen, uh, the BC Junior Hockey League is growing. Uh, there, it seems to be more Canadians who want NCAA scholarships and may be avoiding our major junior leagues. Could that be a part of it? Like... I know for a fact that a former NHLer guided his son to the NCAA route because he didn't want him fighting in junior. Yeah, and I mean, you could still do that. At the end of the day, when I was 16, I wanted to go play college hockey. That yeah. was, I was a you know, good student, St. Mike's High School here in Toronto, and, and that was the route I was looking to go. And, you know, got into a couple scraps and ended up going this direction. So I can really only speak for myself. Right. And I just know how good it was from a personal standpoint of me getting to play junior and seeing now how similar the junior game is to pro hockey. I played in the East Coast Hockey League. I played in the American League Hockey. Yeah. Junior, the OHL, 
Q, whatever, Western League, whatever you want to call, is the most similar. And for me, it was, it was just such a good path for me to go in, and, and it prepared me for what came next. So yeah. I, I just personally, I think if you want to play pro and that's your goal to go over there after, I, I'm biased, obviously, but junior yeah. hockey was, was the route to go for. Yeah, it's, it, I have a different perspective on it a little bit. I skated with some dudes where... Oh, oh, look out. There's Kenny Reed. <laughs> oh, got the boys. And Futsi. Wait a Yeah, we, we, know, we know what Kenny thinks. Um, and they used, to, they used to practice hand movements, and all I could think of, Luke, and, and I know that you made your living this way, is that's a real tough way to make a living. And I don't know how many people actually appreciate... How I know you you can't say this because you're supposed to be happy that you made it, but it's a tough way to make a living. It's a tough way to make an easy living, is what I, <laughs> is another one I said. Is that I I grinded for for 11 years, and that was just pro. Obviously, the three years of junior as yep. well, but. Yeah, it, it's not easy. Uh, you're talking mentally and physically. The toll it takes on your body is like no other position, probably in sports, other than people that actually fight for a living. You're talking <laughs> yeah, combat mixed sports, martial yeah. arts, combat yeah. sports. Yeah. But uh, for me, I was constantly injured. As something's always happening in your body, whether it's a hand, a finger, yeah. you know, so something's always going on. And I, I really loved it, though. I took a lot of pride and a lot of passion in, in guys, you know, coming up to me and saying after games that they felt like they had nothing to worry about or – or, or, or right. guys saying that they, you know, I talk about that 85-foot skate from the, the penalty box to your bench after the, your five minutes in the box is over and how everyone on your team stands up and gives you a tap. Fans are on their feet. There's nothing like that, you know, in front of 20,000 um, in, in your home building, going after another tough guy and, and showing, them, showing them what was up and, right. and your team responding. Yeah. It, there just wasn't a better feeling to that. And, yeah, it sucked for 11 years. I don't want to do it again. I don't miss that part of it. <laughs> right. But certainly my life is a lot more stressful now, and, and I made it that far uh, to be able to, to live the way I am today. Uh, I love the perspective, and I love the conversation. Thanks for doing it, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. There is uh, Luke Gazdick. You can see him apparently with Ken Reed yeah. on Hockey Central. That was really good. Always complaining about being contractually obligated yeah. to come here and – there he is on Hockey Central now. Shocker. Not pissing and moaning. But a great, but a, really a great conversation. Yeah, great perspective. And I'm glad that we added that to our conversation from yesterday. For sure. For sure. All right, time for one break. We'll get to the game. Time to wrap up our week next. Some breaking news for you before we let you go on this Friday afternoon. It is terrible news. For Canadian soccer fans, Janine Becky has, sworn, uh, has suffered a torn ACL and will miss the remainder of the season, says Portland Thorns Football Club. That is her professional team in Portland, Oregon. But you do the timeline on that, and that is not good news for the Canadian World Cup squad as well. No, the FIFA Women's World Cup scheduled to begin July 20th. So a torn ACL is, what, minimum six months probably yeah. a year so it doesn't look like Janine Becky will be a part of Team Canada for that which is obviously a, a very big blow a tough break wish her the best yeah nothing but the best to Janine and hopefully she can get back soon and play in some meaningful soccer very very soon all right game day as always we hope starts right here on Tim and Friends here's what's on tap tonight hockey central with a pretty good crew as we saw some real friends of the show working that one then it's on to the Sabres and Flyers Sportsnet one Puerto Rico and Mexico in the World Baseball Classic, Sportsnet 7 Eastern, SmackDowns on 360, and you've got NBA action, which is, uh, I'm told, fantastic 
on Sportsnet Now. All right, let's begin game time with a preview of what you can see tomorrow on Hockey Night in Canada. We get to know Michael Bunting as he gives back to his community in Scarborough as the Leafs forward took Christine Simpson along for the ride. Here's a sneak peek. I feel like I've had to kind of explain Michael Bunting to a lot of my buddies. He's a different person on the ice than he is off the ice. Hey, I'm Michael Bunting, and I'm going to take you on a tour of my Scarborough. Born and raised in Scarborough. He's not afraid to tell us about it. I haven't been here in like seven, eight years, probably. What year did I graduate? I think I'm here. Oh, there I am. Yeah! Growing up in Toronto, in the Scarborough area, all my friends and my family's basically bled blue. Bunting scores! I think he's somebody who's really proud of where he comes from and he's always kind of finding ways to kind of give back. When you see the kids that are here now, like, do you kind of see a bit of yourself in them? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of is where everything started. Nice. Nice. And I know that the rest of Canada, you kind of get lost in this Scarborough talk every once in a while. Me and Burrow Jesse Fuchs. Yeah, Borough yeah. Scars. Um, but what I always described when people would come to Toronto, from other places and they were like rip on Leaf fans. I'd say the Leaf fans aren't in the building. Go to a bar in Scarborough and go watch a Leaf game and you'll get a way different feel for what Leaf fans are than what's in the building in Toronto sure. because they just can't afford to get in there. They don't want to pay the price of the ticket. You know, so you go around the city and you find these bars and you'll see real fans. And I think that gives you an idea. It's like a blue collar, mm -hmm. hardcore fan base in that Scarborough area that Michael grew up in. It must be so cool. Uh Obviously, not only in Toronto, but whatever your hometown is, to play for to your hometown back. team oh. and to go back and do Amazing. those things yeah. on the regular. Go to the school yeah, and stuff. Awesome, Very man. cool. All right. Speaking of blue collar, the Buffalo Sabers are in action tonight. They're six points back of a wild card spot. Whether they make it in or not, Buffalo certainly made strides this season. Them, along with the Sens and Red Wings, have been talked about as being teams to look out for in the near future of those three teams, which has the brightest future. I, I guess the Buffalo Sabres are the correct answer to that, given... Tage Thompson? Yeah, given Tage <laughs> Thompson. Cousins? Who, who they have and how long they're locked up for yeah. is a big part of it I mean, as well. But they need a goalie. Yeah, that I mean, that's a big part of whatever the hell I'm they will go. become. I'm ready. Sorry, for what? I'll sign, I'll sign on the dotted line. I'll go back oh, to playing goalie. Oh, you think your GTHL passed? With Tate Thompson scoring would 50 help out a, a year, Sabres? I think I'd be okay. Yeah, maybe. All right, I'm going to get you. When's the last time you put on gear? Honestly? Yeah. 14 years ago, probably. Why? I'm tough. Because I would have got someone like maybe get Luke to go shoot on you and see if you're ready. I'd, st I'd still be good. Yeah? Yeah, I'd still, I have full confidence in that. All right. I'd uh, tear something, I'm, but I gotta I'd still send, be good. i got to send a text to Gazdick. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. yeah. No, we're gonna put you Seems in with like a, not me. Shot. Not me. We're gonna put you in with a dude that can actually shoot. All right, I'm in. I just need to find my my equipment. It's been a while. Uh, the Golden State Warriors no, are in now, Atlanta. Now tonight. it's excuses. It was all confidence five seconds ago. No, oh, now I gotta I'm find ready. my gear. Come on, I'm ready. Yeah, the sure Warriors are coming off a loss to the Clippers. Despite <laughs> Steph Curry dropping a cool 50. Uh, we're nearing the end of the regular season, and the defending champs are just two games above 500 and have a one-game lead on the seventh-place T-Wolves in the West. And yet, 
They're still seen as a real contender. Are the Warriors actually good, Timmy? How is it that a team that is 7-27 on the road is currently the fifth pick to win the NBA championship, according to Bet Rivers? You know why. Let me But hold on a second. Like, sometimes uh, you are what your record says you are. And what their record says they are is not the third pick to win the West. Their record says they're not, and I know, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, they've got all these guys, but eventually you've got to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And something, I mean, I don't want to face them in the first round. I don't want to be one of those teams in the top of the division that's going to end up in the top of the conference. It's going to end up seeing them in the first round. But man, I can't, I can't keep waiting for them to turn it on, and I haven't seen it yet. It really feels like they're missing Andrew Wiggins a lot. And obviously he's dealing with some what seems like serious personal stuff. So he's been away from the team. But yeah. that is a, a big player to take out of the rotation. It just means that Steph, oh, and Clay, and Draymond, the and Jordan pressure Poole, every night. They have 50 to really carry and you the load. lose. Yeah, right. It's like crazy. that's where they're at. And obviously, if he comes back, when he comes back, mm. that'll be a better team that you don't want to face. But just something about me is getting very nervous that we may have seen their best basketball. All roads lead to an end at some point. I think. I just made that up. I like it. It's very poetic. <laughs> I literally made that, that up. That does it for us. Hockey Central <laughs> is coming up next. As we leave you, let's take a look back at the week that was. Right here on Tim and Friends, starring Jesse. Because it's Friday then. Oh, it's Saturday. It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. What? It's Friday then. It's Friday, Sunday. What? It's Friday let me just have the pleasure of introducing you to my eight-week-old puppy, Bunker, who's watching us right now from home. Look at him. He's already a fan of Tim and Friends. He's already a friend. Thank you for the viewership. <laughs> That's right. Really There's thousands it, and thousands of people watching and one dog. I love it. <laughs> McDavid spoke on the red carpet and was asked who his favorite Canadian artist of yeah. all time was. And McDavid said uh, Nickelback. What's your pick for a Nickelback song? Ooh, there's so many, there's so many. Um, you know, Rockstar obviously is one, you know, uh, Photograph's another, you know, good, good, uh, good favorite. Look at this photograph, every time I do it makes me laugh. Scotty Scheffler set the menu for the champion's dinner. Thinking about what your menu is. I'm still so hungry. What uh, would your menu be for? Man, steak and shrimp and lobster. So the exact same thing. East that Coast. I, I like. I like a good East Coast chowder. It's chowder. Say it right. Clam chowder. <laughs> this is not Ryan Reynolds, the guy that played Deadpool. That's interested in this. This is also Ryan Reynolds, the businessman. A reaction around here. It was kind of like that song, Teenage Dirtbag. You know, how does she know who I am, and why does she give a damn about me? But in this case, instead of she. It was Ryan Reynolds. Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. That's a hot button bad What are you doing? I'm going to be honest with you. I can't see anything right now between the glasses off. I have no idea if I'm on camera. I have no clue. I, I honestly oh, can't see Oh, you're on camera. Yeah. So much to get to. But this bad boy should be about as good as, uh, as my workout. Wearing a wig that way. Oh, that's you. I was wearing a wig yeah. that day, but don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, and a push-up. <laughs> wow, that's actually kind of smooth. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the weekend.